somewhat distant from experiencing, if you would, God's love. Uh, One of the greatest truths in all the world is this truth. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. But you know, there's a lot of people that are... Uh, feel inside they feel unloved. Sometimes even Christians, we know what the Bible says. The Bible says that God so loved me. And yet sometimes the reality of God's love isn't ours. We have facts, if you would, but our life lacks experience. In John 13, Jesus, he's a few hours from going to the cross, and he says to the disciples, I'm going away. And the disciples, of course, are human, and they get troubled. And Jesus says in chapter 14, let not your heart be troubled. Don't be troubled. And we have looked at some of the reasons why. I have heaven that I'm preparing for you, and and, uh, I go to prepare a place for you, and I'm going to receive you to myself, and we're going to be together. And that's a, a great thing. Secondly, Jesus said, I'm going to do greater works through you. I'm going to do greater works through you if you will just believe me. Thirdly, we looked last week, Jesus said, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. The comforter is going to come. And when he's come, he's going to guide you into truth. And we have, obviously, the presence of the Holy Spirit of God. But number four, I want you to see as we look at our text this morning, I want you to see that Jesus says, I am going to manifest myself to you. I am going to demonstrate my love. I want you to experience my love. Jesus would leave. He'd been with them for three years. Jesus cared about them. Jesus loved them. Jesus is going to heaven. And yet... They could serve him here on earth knowing his love. And not just his love, the love of the Father. How often do we operate unaware of the fact that God Almighty loves you? We have a tendency to beat ourselves up. We have a tendency to allow other people to beat us up. And we feel at times like we're just a nobody. We feel at times like we don't measure up. We feel at times like we're a failure. The reality is Jesus loves you. This I know, for the Bible tells you so. And God wants us to live in the reality. God wants us to go beyond mere facts to experience If you think of it, one of the greatest feelings in all the world, I hate to use that term feeling, but one of the greatest feelings in all the world is to feel loved and accepted. And sometimes, even in our relationships with one another, we know, yeah, I know that they love me, but I don't know it in experience. I don't, and again, I use the term loosely, I don't feel that love. And God wants us to know that love. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter number 3, the Apostle Paul's prayer, the church at Ephesus, he said this in Ephesians 3, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love, 
may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know, and that idea is intimately, the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. God wants us to live in the reality of his love for us. And Jesus tells us to disciples, experiencing God's love is really contingent upon three things. And I want to give you this morning three keys to help us to go not from just mere facts, but to go from experiencing his love. I want to give them to you all up front here, and then we'll go through them each one at a time. Number one, it's contingent upon your position. Number two, it's contingent upon your practice. And number three, it is contingent upon your passion. Follow along as I read John chapter 14, beginning in verse number 18. John 14 and verse 18, the Bible says this, Jesus speaking to his disciples, I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. And we said that idea has the idea of as orphans. Verse 19, yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more, but ye shall see me, because I live, ye shall live also. At that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. Judas saith unto him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us, and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him, and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings, and the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Would you bow for prayer? Let's ask the Lord to open this up and to meet uh, our needs here today. Lord, you know each one of us and you know the needs that we have. And Lord, I pray by the power of your Spirit that you would take truth and you would illumine hearts and minds. Lord, I pray that you would draw us close to yourself. Lord, I pray that we would live in the reality of Jesus loves me, this I know. And nobody can take that away from us. And Lord, would that be ours, not just by fact, but by experience. Lord, I pray that you would be glorified in everything that's said and done here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Key number one, we said, is your position. Now look at the text, John 14, and look at verse number 20. The Bible says this, At that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. What is Jesus talking about here? Verse 16, he, he says, I'll pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Being in him, and him in you, is key. And what makes that possible? What makes that possible, me being in him and him in me, is when I place my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Last week, we looked at the Holy Spirit of God. When you got saved, if you're saved here this morning, when you got saved, God, the Holy Spirit, moved in. 
The Bible says in Romans 8, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And so God, in the person of the Holy Spirit, moved inside of you, and the Scripture says he'll never leave you nor forsake you. What a tremendous truth. But the reality is that is only real to those that have placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It is important for us to understand that salvation is what makes that possible. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. The aspect of being in Christ comes when I recognize I've sinned against God. When I recognize that God is holy and heaven is a perfect place and the only way for me to get to heaven and the only way for me to have a right relationship with God is when I come to him as a sinner and I recognize that my sin displeases him and he died on Calvary's cross for me. We celebrate Christmas. Jesus was born, but he was born in a manger with a purpose, and that purpose was to hang on a cross. And to hang on a cross that he might bear in his body the sins of the whole world, which includes yours and mine. When we come to him and place our faith and trust in him, the Bible says that he forgives us of sin. The Bible says that he moves in, and and we're in him, and he's in us, and he creates in us a new creature. It is important for us to recognize this because the Holy Spirit of God that moves in is the one that is going to be the agent, if you would, to help us to understand the love of God. The Bible tells us in Romans 5, if you have your Bibles there, turn to Romans chapter number 5, and I want you to see Romans chapter number 5, and I want you to look at verse number 5. Verse number 5 of Romans 5. Before, by the way, we were saved, we were of our father the devil, we were dead in trespasses and sins. Our relationship with God was one of condemnation, not because God didn't love us, but because our sins separated us from God. But when we placed our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us here, Romans 5 and verse 5, And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. You see, the Bible says the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. It is important for us to recognize that the first key to me living in the reality, to me experiencing the love that God has for me, is for me to be rightly related to God because I've asked God to forgive me of my sins and I place my faith and trust in Him and He gave me the Holy Spirit of God. It is foundational, but it is important for us to understand there are many people that don't feel loved. There are many people in this world that don't feel, I hate to use the word feel, but for lack of better explanation, feel or experience that fellowship with God because they've never trusted Christ as Savior. And this is absolutely key, our position, our position in Him and Him in us. But I want you to see number two. As we look at our text, I want you to go back to the text and look at verse number 21. And I want us to see key number two is your practice. It's your behavior. Jesus says this, He that keepeth my, he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. Now we're going to talk about our passion or our love 
in just a minute. Verse 23, if a man love me, he will keep my words. We see here the ingredient of obedience. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them. Now, in Genesis chapter number 1 and throughout the word of God, we see Genesis chapter number 1, the Bible says in verse number 1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, right? So God is the creator God, and beginning in the book of Genesis and all throughout the word of God, we see in the word of God the importance of obedience to God. God is the one that created. God is the one that created everything. Being the creator God should motivate us to do what he tells us to do. Do you know God is more powerful than we are? He created us. God knows how life should work because he created life. God knows what's best for you and for me because he created us. And in his sovereignty, he gave us a free will. It is amazing how often we go away from what God has designed for us to do. Genesis chapter number 3. You're familiar with the story. In Genesis chapter number 3, God creates Adam and Eve. And in Genesis chapter 3, he puts them in the garden there. And he says this in verse number 15, Genesis 3 and verse number 15. And that's not the verse that I want us to see here. And uh, so I want us to see here Genesis chapter number 2 and verse number 15. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 1. The serpent comes, and we know what the situation is. I'll go down to verse 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food... And that it was pleasant to the eyes, a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them were opened, verse 8, and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid themselves from the presence of God. You say, well, God created Adam and Eve. He did. God loved Adam and Eve. He does love Adam and Eve. He put them in the garden. It's interesting to me. He gave all the trees that you can eat of, but he said you can't eat of this one particular tree. And what do they do? They exercise their will, just like we do often. They exercise their will to disobey God. Do you know how loved they felt in verse number 8? Not too loved. Matter of fact, they find themselves fleeing from the presence of the Lord. Had God changed? Did God still love them? Yes, God did. As a matter of fact, in his love, he got them out of the Garden of Eden to protect them. But the reality is, because of their disobedience, they felt far from the Lord. And do you know, when it comes to our relationship with God, all throughout the Word of God, as a matter of fact, Deuteronomy chapter number 6 gives us a great Uh, a, A great illustration to the children of Israel, Deuteronomy chapter number six and verse one. Now, these are the commandments, the statutes and the commandments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that he might do them in the land whither ye go to possess it, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee, thou thy son, thy son's sons. God gives us commandments to protect us. 
Solomon wrote there in the book of Ecclesiastes, what is the conclusion of the whole matter? Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. But all throughout the pages of the word of God, we can find ourselves uh, coming into face to face. As a matter of fact, we look at right after we see the story of Cain and Abel. And we go out through the pages of scripture. It's interesting. God has given us more than just real life illustrations. He has given us a Bible full of illustrations of men and women that obeyed God and experienced the blessing of God and experienced a close relationship with God. And he's given us examples of people in the word of God that did their own thing. Think about Saul, king of Israel. Boy, he was blessed. He was the first king there. But what did he do? He decided to take things into his own hands, and God said this, Behold, to obey is better than the sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. Right? For what? Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. God says, whoa, this is a big deal. You know, sometimes people have a laid-back attitude when it comes to obeying God. Sometimes people have a laid-back attitude. They think, ah, it'll be all right. I'm going to be okay. You know, the Bible lays it out crystal clear. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. And God in his love, because he loves us, he gives us commands in the word of God. And we sometimes find ourselves chafing, if you would, because we want to do what we want to do. Think about a relationship with a child and a parent. If the child is bent on doing what they want to do, there's going to be tension in that relationship. I've talked to young people. I've talked to teenagers, and I sat across the desks from them, and I have said to them, what's going on? Well, my mom won't let me do this. My dad won't let me do this, whatever the issue is. And I've asked them, do your parents love you? Do you know what? Factually, they say yes. Yes, I know that they love you, but how, how is the, the relationship? There's tension. I don't feel that love. And the reason they don't feel that love is why? Because they're doing their own thing. And when we do our own thing as God's people, we don't live in the reality, though factually he loves us, we don't experience that love as God would have us to experience it. In Isaiah chapter 59, in verse 1, the Bible says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. Neither is ear heavy that it can't hear. But what's the issue? Your sins have separated you from your God. In Psalm 66, in verse number 18, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. God said to Jonah, Jonah, I got a job for you, Jonah. Do you know what's amazing to me that almighty sovereign God that created the heavens and the earth said to Jonah and says to us, I have a job for you to do. I need something you to do on my behalf. Jonah was to go to Nineveh. God had a work that he wanted to do there, a reviving work that he wanted to do there through Jonah. And Jonah decided, I'm going to do my own thing. And Jonah flees. He goes the opposite direction of where God tells him to go. And you find Jonah in chapter number 2 in anguish of soul as he's in the, the, the fish's belly there. Doing what? Not basking in the love of God. <laughs> Not basking in the love of God. Why? Because Jonah is doing his own thing. Let me say this obedience is key to knowing the fellowship of God's love. 
can I say it this way? And again, I use the term lightly, but obedience is key to experiencing, to feeling loved by God. I didn't say God doesn't love you. I didn't say that at all. God loves us. God loves us perfectly. God always will love us. But sometimes we can find ourselves not knowing and experiencing that love. It's not God's fault. It's our fault. Number one, our position. We've got to be in Christ. Number two, our practice. I want you to see number three, lastly, our passion. Jesus links for us in John 14, he links for us our passion and our practice when Jesus says this in verse number 21. He that loves me, he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. Oh, and, the man, and, and he that loveth me shall be loved of the Father, and I will love him and will. And here's really where we build our sermon around this word, manifest myself to him. I will make known my love to him. Judas says, how are you going to manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered and says, if a man love me, he will keep my words and my father will love him and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. And by the way, you know, the word which I'm talking is my father's. The reason we have a hard time keeping God's commandments is not because we do not know what they are. The reason why we have a hard time keeping God's commandments is not because his commandments are grievous. 1 John 5, for this is the love of God, we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. The reason why we have a hard time keeping God's commandments is not because they are too difficult. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. The reason why we have a hard time not keeping God's commandments is not because we don't have help. The Bible says, the Lord is my helper. Do you know why we have a hard time keeping the commandments of the word of God? It has nothing to do with the difficulty of them. It has nothing to do with the fact that we don't want help. It has nothing to do with that. The reason why we have a hard time keeping the commandments of the word of God is because we love ourselves more than we love God. Do you know the one that you love the most is the one that you please the most? You see, we love ourselves or we love the things of this world more than we love God. Paul said to Timothy there in, in 2 Timothy chapter number 4, he said, Demeth, Demas hath forsaken me. Demas had walked and worked alongside of me, but he now has forsaken me. Why? Because he has loved this present world. The Bible tells us in 1 John 2, love not the world, neither things of the world. Right? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Right? The world's going to pass away, but he that doeth the will of the Father will not. 2 Timothy 3 and verse 2, Paul again writing to Timothy said, In the last times men shall be lovers of their own selves. 2 Timothy 3 and verse 4, describing the last times men shall be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. You see, the one we love the most is the one we please the most. And Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep 
my commandments. It's our passion. What are we driven by? What is it that, uh, that motivates us to do what we do? We can ask it this way. How many of us have known what is right? We know what's right, but we've done what is wrong in the face of knowing what's right. You see, what I think is better for me, what I think is going to help me, what I think is going to change me, I think is better than what God says. And in essence, then, I love myself more than I love God, and that's how I get myself in trouble. Our passion. Hudson Taylor was interviewing some young people who had volunteered for the Lord's service. He asked several practical questions on how to find out, a question to find out how qualified they were for the life they were anticipating. Why do you wish to go to the foreign missionary? Why do you wish to go? One said, I want to reach others across the sea because Christ has commanded us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Another said, I want to go because millions are dying without ever having heard of Jesus, the one who can save them. Others have similar answers. Hudson Taylor looked at them thoughtfully for a moment and then said, all of your motives are good, but I fear that you will fail in times of severe testing and tribulation, especially if you are confronted with the possibility of having to face death for your testimony. And then he said this, the only motive that will enable you to remain true is stated in 2 Corinthians 5 in verse 14, the love of Christ is what constraineth us. The love of Christ constraineth us. Someone wrote this, love makes obedience a thing of joy. To do the will of one we like to please is never hardship, though it tax our strength, if privilege of service, love will cease. Love makes us loyal, glad to do or go, and eager to defend a name or cause. Love takes the drudgery from common work and asks no rich reward or great applause. Love gives us satisfaction in our task and wealth in learning lessons of the heart. Love sheds a light of glory on our toil and makes us humbly glad to have a part. Love makes us choose to do the will of God, to run his errands and proclaim his truth. It gives our hearts an eager, lilting song. Our feet are shod with tireless wings of youth. Loving God. I want you to turn to 1 John chapter number 4. I want you to turn to 1 John chapter number 4, and I want to show you something that I think is helpful in our Christian life as we look at this matter of God, and we look at this matter of knowing and experiencing his love. In 1 John chapter 4 and verse number 18, you've read this verse before, the Bible says, there's no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. Because fear hath torment, he that feareth is not made perfect in love. We read that verse and we find ourselves saying, well, there are times in my life where I find myself fearful. There are times sometimes as Christians where we find ourselves worried or find ourselves anxious, but the Bible says there's no fear in love. I don't have to find myself fearful. If you back up just a couple verses, I want you to see the key here. The Bible says in verse 17, herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. So we're looking at the aspect of perfect love. The key is found in verse 16 of 1 John 4. 
And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, but God in him. Do you know it's one thing to know that God loves us? The scripture teaches here, if we're going to be made perfect in love, I have to know and believe. You see, I've got to depend. I've got to place my dependence in him. I've got to rest in what I know. I have to recognize that it's not just facts, but I can experience God's love in my life. I told you this early on in the message. One of the greatest feelings in all the world is to feel loved. Man, that guy loves me or that gal loves me. Is that aspect of not just knowing. By the way, Christmas is a wonderful time to not just slam a gift in front of somebody's face and say, here. It's a wonderful time to communicate the love of Christ, to communicate your love for those people that God has put in your life. But you know what? As we look at God's love, we can bask in his love. We can live knowing the love that he has to us. We can experience, we can know that intimate fellowship with God. If we recognize it's contingent upon our position. I'm in Christ, he's in me. If I recognize it's contingent upon my practice, am I walking in obedience to him? If I walk in the light as he is in the light, what do I have? Fellowship with him. You see, it's contingent upon my passion. Is my passion for me. You see, the reason why we get so ruffled and get all, all out of focus, if you would, is because quickly things come into our life that go cross-grain against what we want. And the love for self rises to the surface real quick. But when I recognize my life's not my own, I'm bought with a price. When I recognize, hey, more love to thee, O Christ, more love to thee, that's what I want to experience, his love. Maria Dyer was born in 1837 on the mission field in China where her parents were pioneer missionaries. Both her parents died when Maria was a little girl and she was sent back to England to be raised by an uncle. The loss of her parents, however, did not deter her young heart from the importance of sharing the gospel. For many, it would have caused them to be bitter at God and give up, but not her. At age 16, she, along with her sister, returned to China at age 16 to work in a girl's school as a missionary herself. Five years later, She married Hudson Taylor, a man well-known today for his life of ministry, faith, and sacrifice. Hudson and Maria's work was often criticized, even by other Christians. At one point, Maria wrote, As to the harsh judgings of the world, or the more painful misunderstandings of Christian brethren, I generally feel that the best plan is to go on with your work and leave God to vindicate our cause. Of their nine children... Only four survived to adulthood. Maria herself died of cholera when she was just 43, but she believed the cause was worthy of the sacrifice, and on her grave marker, 
these words were inscribed, for her to live was Christ, and to die was gain. Charles Spurgeon said this, and I conclude with this, little faith will take your soul to heaven, but great faith will bring heaven to your soul. May God help us to know his love, to know his love each and every day. Lord, we love you today. We love you.